0: book of Acts and uh, we're in uh, chapter 26 right now and Paul was in Caesarea and Paul is standing before the council, the high priest and Felix and as we were talking during our study we were sharing about some things that happened in our lives and I was sharing a story that happened to me on my workplace and throughout the years um, you know you accused. have you ever been accused of something whether you did or not but just being accused you become defensive right and so I had known as being very defensive about things and, uh, and, and for me it was not that I was being defensive I was defending myself but they, my coworkers and supervisors saw it as being defensive and so God came a point God told me be quiet and you know that's hard to do when someone is accusing it's hard not to say something especially when you, you, you feel you, c- you can you can make you know I can, I can make my, my charge with this but the Lord said be quiet but it, it happened more than once so I finally I was quiet so we were called into a meeting, and as I was p- preparing for this meeting, I was just grabbing up some papers and just, just a group of papers. Out of my nervousness, I was nervous. And we got to the meeting, and this one person was just really just battling at me and just going, going, going. And she was, she was accusing me of things that I, I didn't do or what happened. And, and, so, um, and as God was telling me, be quiet, in my, and I, I start shuffling papers I had in my hand. You know, just be quiet, God said, be quiet. And as she, she came to a point, and she said something, and God said, and I pulled this, you know, how you get to a point, and you just pull something out, pull that piece of paper, and God said, now speak. Now, and, and as I was telling this story, it was like I said, this is the memo. But I was asking myself, this is the memo? Because I was shocked that that memo was in that place at that time, not for me to respond, but God said, this is my time to respond. Now, you know, sometimes, and this is where Paul lives right now. That's where I was. And, you know, sometimes we don't learn a lesson until we get it out of, through God's word. So I just, that incident happened, but putting it together with, God, with God's word is when we understand what God is doing. And sometimes, often, it's what God has already done. And see, we need to bring that thing forward to, to, to this point now. In God's word, he said that, that the righteousness that he, acqu- he acquitted to, to Abraham was recorded for us so that we know that we have that same righteousness we have the same strength that Paul has because we have the same giver of that strength. Uh, as I said, Paul is in Caesarea right now. But further back in the chapter, Jesus told Paul, Paul, you've been my witness to the Gentile, and now you will be my witness in Rome. But here he is in Caesarea being accused. And Paul has no defense of himself other than the word of God. And sometimes that's what it is. When God has made you a promise, he said, you will be with me for eternity. We don't have to worry about today, do we? Because we have eternity. My brother Glenn said something a couple months ago. He said, you know what? Eternity is longer than life. We need to remember that. We have something to look forward to. So when that time comes, God will tell you when to speak. Sometimes he tells us, be still and know that I am God, okay?
1: Let's all stand and close in prayer. Sister preached a three-minute sermon. We call that a sermonette. (laughs) Uh, Father God, we're um, we're grateful for your presence here with us. This this place is special, and it's not because of us. It's because of you. Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are here with us to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And that's what we need this morning, Lord, we need a good dose of truth from you. And so speak, give us ears to hear, uh, we, whatever it is that you would have to say to us, Lord, we, we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Uh, Kondraty Ralyev was sentenced to be hanged for his part in an unsuccessful coup against the Russian Tsar Nicholas in 1825. But the rope broke and Ryleev fell, of course, bruised and battered. And he got up and he said this In Russia, they do not know how to do anything properly, not even how to make a rope. Now, normally, when that sort of a thing happened, um, the person that survives was, maybe they considered it some sort of good luck or something like that, but they normally would receive a pardon. And so a messenger went to the czar to say, what would you like us to do? Nicholas responded and said, what did he say? Sire, he said, in Russia, they do not know how to make a rope properly. And the czar said, well, let the contrary be proved. Sometimes you're better off keeping quiet. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Playing off of what Miss Linda said, Peter and John are before the high council a lame man has been miraculously healed he's been lame since his birth and he would go to the gate at the temple called beautiful and he would beg uh, for provision Uh, he was a well-known man because everybody that passed that gate saw him there Uh, his friends somehow got him there to the gate and there he would beg Uh, you you may know uh, the story uh, uh, he receives a miraculous healing. He's asking for silver or gold or anything, and, and their response is, silver and gold, we don't have what we do have. We give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Rise up and walk, and, and he does. As a result of that, there's five now, there's 5,000 people that are in the kingdom. Uh, the Lord is, is, is moving. Now, now the, the, the high council has this major problem on their hands. They've crucified Jesus. They put him in that tomb. And then the scuttlebutt all around Jerusalem is that he has risen from the dead. And not only that, in one sense, there are people, in a literal sense, there are people who are saying that he keeps appearing in different places. And not only that, uh, he keeps showing up in all of these miracles. I mean, this is the worst case scenario for these. For this religious, these religious leaders, they believe that this this thing would be all said and done was Christ and crucified. When Christ was crucified, and now he's showing up all over the place. I mean, there's a there's a healing here, there's a sighting there. Uh, a, a man who's been lame from birth is now walking and leaping and praising God. And so they've got major major problems. Um, things are worse for them, if you would. Jerusalem is turned upside down so we're in Acts chapter 4 verse 5 it says on the next day their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem uh, Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family and when they had set them that is these apostles in their midst they inquired by what power or by what name did you do this now they already know the answer but they ask it anyway This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. What compelling evidence of the resurrection of Jesus that these men uh, saw what happened to this, this man and he's, he's now uh, been healed and, and there's nothing they can say. They can't say, hey, let's just go down to the tomb because, you know, his body is still there. His body is gone. There is nothing to say about that. I mean, all they had to do was produce the body of Jesus and everything would have ended. That's all they had to do, right? Right here. It would have stopped. Are you guys crazy? He's still in the tomb. What's wrong with you? Do you want us to roll the stone away and the show you the body? But they had nothing to say because the body was not there. They had nothing to say. I, don't, don't you love it when haters have nothing to say? not like you know we're better than you we're smarter than you we got figure it figured out and you don't no that's not it at all but 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 don't don't you know that Christianity would have come to an end if they just would have produced the body of Jesus look at all the preparation they went into to make sure that that body would stay in the tomb and just I mean, mean, that right there is compelling evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. That right there. All right. Verse 17 through 21. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they call them and charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we, what does it say, have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them, because the people were all praising God for what had happened. Sorry, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. They had a case that they can't help it. We can't help it. We. This is not something we've heard about. We have seen with our own eyes the resurrected Jesus. There. What other explanation is there for the apostles to come back with such power and such vibrancy and such? Uh, incredible excitement and 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 literally willing to die for this risen Savior if that ha- if they had not seen the risen Savior what possibly could have turned Peter from a coward who cursed that he even knew Jesus into really one of the bedrocks of the early church how could that have happened these disciples ran for their lives after Christ was crucified how could they now come back in such power and such boldness how could that have happened? Why would they do this if Christ had not risen from the dead? Listen, listen, nobody dies for a lie that they know is a lie. See, you might die for a philosophy or for a worldview or for a religious system that promises you things when you die and you, because you believe it. But no one will die for something that they know is a lie. Now, wait a minute now. Come on. More compelling evidence. These men said, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. How about you? How about you? Do you have a case of the can't help it? Do you speak about what you have? Have you seen? Have, you, have I seen? Have I heard? And how has that changed my life? Am I willing to speak about what I've seen? And what I've heard. And he says this whether it is right to listen to God or to you, you be the judge, you must decide. And I wrote this down Will I open my mouth for the cause of Christ, even in the face of opposition? Will I open my mouth for the cause of Christ, even in the face of opposition? Now, I'm not talking about you talk about Jesus all day long at the workplace and don't get no work done. <laughs> Man, I'm here to evangelize. Oh, you're here to work, dude, all right? And if you don't start working, you're going to evangelize down the streets because you ain't going to have a job. There's a time and a place. You understand, right? I mean, you know, your boss says, hey, we don't, we don't want you talking so much about Christ, you know, while you're working. Uh, okay, you have to honor that, right? I mean, you can't be like all day long. You know, like you work in sales, and you're like, "Hey, before I let you go, I just want to let you know if you die tonight, you sure you go to heaven?" Wait, hold on, man. Wait, on that may not be the place. Now, listen, I know. I mean, you work for a, for a casino, and you you work in, in booking, and someone calls and says, "Yeah, we are coming down for a Vegas weekend." Hey, well, before you do that, let me pray for you. Wait, hold on, man. I don't. I'm coming to Vegas. I don't want prayer. Pray that I win. You know, I mean, I. I mean, there's a time. So I'm talking about. Will I open my mouth for the cause of Christ. Me, will I open my mouth. Will I? Can I? Can I help? But talk about what I've seen and what I've heard. Or am I just so glad to be in the kingdom? But that's man. I wanna. I wanna. Right. I wanna speak. I wanna talk about it. All right. And and listen, the authorities. These are the religious authorities. In a sense, they are the authority of the people. They really, not not just spiritually, but, you know, politically, and, and you know, there are laws that these people can enforce, and so here they are, they're, they're willing, willing to rebel against what they say, because there's a higher law. Am I willing to open my mouth for the cause of Christ to follow a higher law, when the law may tell me, we don't want you talking about this anymore? Well, wait, there's a higher law here, you see what I'm saying, uh, that I need to follow. All right okay to open your mouth when you're, firing the, when, you're, when you're following the higher law. Now turn to Acts chapter 18. All right, Paul and Silas are in Philippi, and they are on their way to the place of prayer, and as they have been going to the place of prayer for a couple of days, there's a demon-possessed slave girl medium spiritist. <laughs> okay, a demon-possessed slave girl medium spiritist who is walking before them. And they're going to the place of prayer, and she keeps on saying, these are mighty men of God who've come to show you the way of salvation. These are mighty men of God who've come to show you the way of salvation. These are mighty men of God who've come to show you the place of salvation. She is a demon-possessed medium spiritist fortune teller who makes money for her masters. By the way, fortune-telling, spiritists, mediums, they are still here, and they are in our city, and they receive messages from demon spirits, and there are people who pay these people money. To hear their past or to hear about a dead relative or to hear about their future. And they have the ability to receive a message from a demon and tell you things about your past that no one would know unless a demon told them. And people walk away and go, How did you know that? Well, because they have the ability to communicate through demon spirits who happen to know some things about you and I. All right? I did a quick search in the uh, fortune telling mediums, Las Vegas, and this, is, this came out of Las Vegas LasVegasCBSLocal.com. This is what it says, this was an advertisement. It said this, whether you refer to them as psychics, fortune tellers, mediums, mystics, and, or clairvoyants, fortune tellers have been around since the days of the gypsies and possibly even before then. I venture before then, but anyway. Some people prefer private sessions while others are more comfortable in a group. Some psychics, uh, uh, some psychics even phone consultations. If you want to know your future, resolve your past, commune with the spirits, or simply have fun getting your palm or tarot cards read, have your, runs, are you N-E-S, runes, runs? Runes, can I ask what that is? Oh, stones, okay. Have your runes cast. Experience the mystique of the crystal ball or visit an astrologist. There certainly are a variety of experts located in Sin City. So last night, after the basketball game, which we will not discuss at all. What game? Thank you. We will not discuss. We're going to In-N-Out Burger. And as we drive, making a left on to Tinea, I look over at In-N-Out Burger. Hey, In-N-Out Burger. And on the fence there, there's a big banner. Psychics. Call this number. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, back to the demon-possessed, medium-spiritist, fortune-telling slave girl. She's saying all the right things. For Dane. Drag them into the marketplace, and it is chaos. Uh, they they uh, uh, drag Paul and Silas into the marketplace before the Roman authorities accused them accuse them of throwing the city in, into confusion, teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Verse twenty two says that a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the innermost part of the dungeon and clamped their feet to the stocks. Ouch. Okay, now, verse 25, many of you know the story. Around midnight, everybody say midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and sing, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations all the doors flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So the jailer wakes up after this earthquake and sees the prison doors wide open and he assumes that all the prisoners have escaped so he draws his sword to fall on it because that would be better than what the Romans will do to him for these prisoners escaping. Paul shouts out, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. That is a miracle. The jailer Called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with your entire household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were baptized and brought them into the house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they believed in God. Pick up in verse 35, it says, The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. Wait a minute. Hold it. Time out, man. You just beat me down. Put me in stocks all night long. I did get a happy meal out of the deal at the jailer's house. But, and now it's like, wait a second. Now it's like, okay, you know what, man? Go ahead. Y'all are out of here. Whoa, whoa. Hold on. Now let's look what he does. Paul replied, verse 37, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. And they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. Verse 38, when the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. They brought them out and begged them to leave the city. Now, come on, now, please, don't stay here. And when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Okay, so in Roman cities, Roman Empire, there were two different laws. There were the laws that pertained to Roman citizens, and then there were the laws for everybody else. (laughs) And they were vastly different. Roman citizens had specific legal rights. Non-citizens had no rights. (laughs) None whatsoever. None. You, You weren't even considered a person. It was like Hey, you know what? You were subject to the whims and the attitudes of the magistrates and the multitudes. And if the multitudes beat you down, so what? And if you uh, didn't like what the Romans were telling you or forcing you to do, so what? Be glad you're alive. That's it. Now, on the other hand, if you're a Roman citizen, that's a whole nother story. Okay, so how could Paul and Silas have proved their Roman citizenship? Well, the same way you can prove your American citizenship when you go abroad—you carry that little passport with you—and they may have carried what's called a professional or registration of birth, uh, which the Roman status, their status, would have been recorded in. By the way, it was a a capital offense to claim to be a Roman. Oh, we're Romans. Show me. Oh, I don't have it. Oh, (laughs) too bad. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And so here's the thing. Why didn't Paul and Silas reveal their Roman citizenship before the beating happened? What do you think? Why not? Why not? They could have, right? The Romans were the ones who beat them. Why didn't they reveal their citizenship? What do you think? Yes, sir. What's that? Okay, validity to go before Rome and complain. What else? It's not a trick question, guys, I promise. Yes, sir. Willing to accept punishment? What else? Huh? They were told, God told them to. Shut up. Yes, ma'am. Ah, maybe they wanted to identify themselves with what the other believers were, the Gentile believers. Well, not just Gentiles, just non-Romans, right? Okay. Okay. Especially in Philippi where there were many who came to Christ who were, who were, you know, Gentiles and maybe they had the Roman citizenship maybe they didn't. Okay. Very good answers. Very good answers. I think all of those are certainly uh, uh, possibilities. And I, I think that um, that bottom line was that the Holy Spirit was telling them not to speak. The Holy Spirit—I I just believe the Holy Spirit was was saying, you know what? Don't don't reveal that now. Don't. Yeah. Wow. Our rights are not as important as our obedience to the will of God, even the right to speak. Our rights are not as important as our obedience to the will of God, even the right to speak. Sometimes God may ask us to lay down our rights. For the good of another sometimes the Lord will ask me to lay down my rights for the good of someone else in this case think the Philippian jailer and his family because had they said before you lift that 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 reed or that club to beat me I'm a Roman but but they they said nothing and they take it and they're cast into prison and 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 a Philippian jailer and his family become believers in Jesus as a result of their beating. Had that beating not happened, that Philippian jailer would not have come to the Lord, at least in that capacity. It could have happened some other way. Get it? So, so wow. So I wrote this down. Will I shut my mouth. I hope will I keep my mouth shut even if I have the right to speak for the cause of Jesus? Even even if I have the right to speak. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on before. No. Wait, hold on because why I I like to defend myself too. But will I will I be quiet for the cause of Christ? Will I be quiet for the cause of my marriage? Because sometimes I want to say something, and I feel like the Holy Spirit tells me, don't say it, like you were saying this, because you know what? Sometimes I would rather win an argument versus having peace, or versus, for the sake of a relationship, I'd rather win an argument sometimes. In my marriage, in my family, in those who sometimes, the Lord tells you, zip it, zip it, don't you say it, you know it, right, for the sake of Christ or for the sake of other vital relationships, wow, so there it is, Paul the Apostle, not speaking about his citizenship and then speaking about his citizenship, all for the sake of a family, alright, don't speak, Here's here's some clear cut examples of when we shouldn't speak, Anybody have any, y'all, y'all know there's times where you shouldn't speak? Yeah, you, you, you know it, right? But you know what? And we usually preface it by saying, I really shouldn't say this, but. Well, hey, time out, man. Don't say it then. Let me, I'm, I'm going to practice this right here, okay? When someone says to you, I, I, we're going to, this is a little object lesson for you. You can use this throughout the week. And no matter who it is, just do it respectfully. Okay, that's all. Now, when someone says to you, hey, I really shouldn't say this, here's what you do. Say, do this. Everybody put your hands up. Or just put one hand up, and 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 if you're a sister, you might go like that. You might even do a lip thing and the head, the head shake thing. You, now don't put it in their face like, oh my gosh, man. You know what I'm saying? But when, when someone, I really shouldn't say this, but put your hand up like that. But yeah, see, no, don't shake your hand. See, Just see that adds uh, that, is, that adds too much emphasis. You just want to put your hand up and say, oh wait. Wait, hold on, with all due respect, and if you shouldn't say it, then you probably don't want to tell me. Here's another, and this works equally well when someone says, you know what, did you hear about, oh, <laughs> did I hear about what, <laughs> who? Uh, yeah, just some, respectfully, respectfully. You know, say, no, I don't that. There are times you shouldn't speak. Ephesians 4 says, do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Okay. So if my words are not are foul or profane or worthless or vulgar, Paul says, man, that's unwholesome. Don't speak that. Okay. Ephesians 5 further, uh, verse 4 says, Neither should there be vulgar speech, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, all of which are out of character, but rather thanksgiving. And so that kind of speech is not consistent with my Christian character, right? But rather thanksgiving. All right. Now, here's some times you should speak. You ready? Because, you know, Bob is going to tell you what not to do. And he's going to tell you what to do. Here's some times you can speak, all right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 says, So then, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in, the, in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your gift. Okay, so someone has an issue with you, and you know it. And it doesn't say whether that issue is your fault or not. It just says someone has an issue with you. Okay? Anybody ever had a situation where someone had an issue with you? Okay, right? A couple of you have. All right, it says leave your gift there. Leave your gift at the altar. So before you come to the place of worship, leave, leave your gift there. Go and be reconciled to your brother, your sister, and use words. Use words. It doesn't say whether or not they'll receive your words. And then it says come back to the place of worship and then offer up your gift or present your gift to the Lord, okay? Uh, so, so, so someone has an issue with you. And you're worshiping, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, there, there's that person has an issue with you. And so as God leads, you go and you try to be reconciled. You, you, and it, you, whether or not they receive it or not is not the issue. Okay, so that's the time to speak. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault when the two of you are alone. If he listens to you, you have regained your brother. But if he does not listen take one or two others with you, so that at the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter may be established. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. So the Lord is speaking about harmony in the body of Christ and says, man, you know this brother's in sin. He's seeped in sin and he says, "Uh, you, you go and you Minister to that person. You go and say, "Hey, you know what, man? Man, what you're (laughs) this is not, you know. Speak life to that that person, and and then if they don't listen, he says, because you're in community. He says, well, bring somebody else with you, and say, hey, you know, we need to go talk to this brother because they're seeped in this sin, and and then you go and you use words, and you speak truth and life and reconciliation and healing, and. And, and he says, if that, they, don't, they don't listen to you, then, t- then tell it to the church. Let, tell, tell it to everybody. Wow. And if he doesn't listen to the church, then treat him as a tax collector or a Gentile. Okay? Uh, someone who's stuck in sin, go to them alone, use words. If they don't listen, go back with two or three, use words. And, and, and if they don't listen to that, tell it to the church and let the church talk to them. okay to speak now how will you know if you should say something or not how do you know how do you know this is hard because our emotions take over and we just want to say what we feel and sometimes the holy spirit saying don't you? and we're like woo! and there it goes yeah i feel good now i said it yeah well you just vomited all over somebody else you know we, i don't know what it is about us here's how you know whether you should say it or not first pray everybody say pray you got to pray you have to pray Know what if there's something that you you know what i'm not gonna say that right now i'm just gonna go pray and rather than talking to you about the situation i'm gonna talk to god first and see what god would have me to say if anything that's a good thing so you pray okay you pray secondly stay in the word stay in the word because the bible as we have it in our mind and in our heart is like a reservoir it's like a well And there are times the Holy Spirit taps into that and brings out a word that you have in your mind and in your heart so that you could use it in the instance that you're in. So because you're in the word and you're reading the word and you're you're just a person, a man or a woman of the word, that there's a circumstance that comes up and God brings up a word out of your heart and says, use this, utilize this word. You know, I was just reading this in the Bible. I think it applies to this. That's a word spoken in due season and in due time. But if we're not in the word, then we have no reservoir to pull out from. And so we're not speaking the Word of God because we're not in the Word, and so the Holy Spirit digs deep and there's not much there. Now, the Holy Spirit has the ability to put a word in your heart, maybe even something you've heard years ago. But as we're in the Word, as we're praying first, and then we're in the Word, the prayers and what the Lord speaks will always sync with what His Word says. You might be in prayer about something, and yet that goes against what God's Word says, you don't have to worry about that. Don't do it because it goes against God's not going to contradict himself, all right? And then the third thing is it takes discernment. Everybody say discernment. Discernment, discernment, discernment. Man, it takes discernment. It's hard to know. But as you're praying and as you're in the Word, you can discern when those things are, when those seasons are, what you should say. Hey, listen, there are things even in the body of Christ, that take great discernment. You know, someone who speaks prophetically has a word for you, a scripture for you. Well, amen, I receive it. Now, you test it against the word. And if someone says something to you that goes against the word of God, you discount it. By the way, it's a good thing to go back to that person and say, hey, I know that you've got this prophetic thing happening, but that word you spoke to me, that was not in the word. That was not biblical. I, I don't receive that word. So you might want to just before you speak prophetically, pray about it and make sure it's something God's telling you to speak. It takes discernment to know when someone's a popular author or a popular speaker or has a big church, that when they say something, that, that they need to know that they're accountable to that word too. Just because someone is a theologian or someone is wildly popular or someone has a big ministry doesn't mean that everything they say might be completely in sync with the word of God. And so you hear people say, oh, did you go over this? they have having this. And this person over here, you go, you know what, man? I've been reading some things about that ministry, and I'm not sure. You just want to be careful. Just because someone has a mantle of prophecy or mantle of discernment or mantle, you know, that doesn't mean that everything that comes out of their mouths is God sent or God breathed. Same for all of us. Same for all of us. So you, you, you it and you test it against the word of God they're people who attract large crowds to their events and their stuff sometimes you walk away and you go mm, i'm not trying to judge i'm not trying to be critical but i still see it in the word i've been at churches large churches that, that are doing great things for god and 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 this woo, this big thing i'm like man this is woo, and i'm and uh, and I'm like, at the end, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going out the back door. I'm not mm-mm, No, no. I don't, I don't see it in the Word. I don't see it in the Word. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying. you got to have be discerning. All right, last thing. Consider this. Do the words that I'm about to speak, speak light? Like that video we saw two weeks ago. speak life now now by that i mean does it build up does it encourage does it correct which is okay does it rebuke because that can speak life too does it speak life and lastly am i speaking the truth in love what's my motivation How will you know? Pray, now pray. You got to be in the Word. Got to be discerning. Uh, am I speaking life? And am I speaking the truth in love? And that's a good litmus test for us to know whether we should speak or zip it. Amen. All right, let's pray. So God, we thank you for your your word, uh, we thank you for your truth. Lord, we are a people who want to be led by you, want to speak your words. We want to speak life. And Lord, not only speak, but we want to receive those words too. We want to be able to receive a word that someone has for us, even if it's a hard word or a word of correction or rebuke. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. Jesus, you are the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So Lord, we, by grace through it.